0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
2: details. Trevor Woods here from SB Nation's Mason and Brew, and we're in the week after the NFL Draft. Some Michigan players got selected early. In Aiden Hutchinson. Went off the board with the second overall pick. Then there was Daxton Hill at the tail end of the first round. Went to the Cincinnati Bengals. And then, of course, in the second round, David Ojabo went to the Baltimore Ravens and is reunited with former Michigan defense coordinator Mike McDonald. Today I'm speaking with Yahoo Sports Lead NFL Draft Analyst Eric Edholm. And Eric, congratulations! I saw that the mock draft database and you finished third place out of all analysts this year uh, with your mock draft. So congratulations to that. What made you so successful this year in particular? Did you just kind of have a good feel of uh, certain fits and certain guys tailored to uh, specific teams?
1: I did really, yeah, thank you for, I appreciate that for you bringing it up. I mean, I <laughs> there's a, there's some guesswork, as you can imagine, right? You have to kind of uh, piece it together with what you know and what you think and what might happen and all that. I mean, the top, if you look at my mock, the top 12 picks, I did really well. And then it really fell off a cliff after that. I think I was in first place by a... You know, a, a decent margin. I, they were doing updates during the draft. I was kind of blown away, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> I went out of you know of uh, gold medal contention. But hey, you know what? It's it's just a fun thing more than anything else. But yeah, you gotta you gotta make calls, and and it's funny because you know sometimes the information comes in a couple weeks before the draft. Sometimes it comes in at the combine. Sometimes it comes in eight minutes before you finish your mock, you know, or in one case, I actually got a call after I finished it and has told my editor, Hey, give me 20 minutes. I gotta, I gotta do something real quick. So, you know, that doesn't uh, please them very much, but it certainly makes for, you know uh, a longer process and a more maybe a more accurate one we'll see but yeah i mean it, it's it's more fun than anything i you know the top 100 board is certainly one that that a lot of people pay attention to in terms of value and you know i did better on that than i did last year so you just try to figure out what's the league value and and it's there's never a consensus but you try your best to kind of get to that place
2: yeah and i know you got at least the top four picks right it was the top four or the top five picks
1: Top four, but I had uh, you know I had Evan Neal in the fifth spot, so he ended up going seventh to the Giants. I knew they liked him. I just I figured they'd take the tackle first, knowing that Carolina, who also wanted a tackle, was picking right after him. But they actually they went a little deeper on me. They thought. You know, there, there's a chance that the Panthers trade this pick, and if they trade the pick, who's probably the, the guy people are trading up for, Kayvon Thibodeau. So we take Thibodeau first. They had two tackles that they liked with similar grades. They had Neil a little bit higher, and so they ended up taking him seventh. And it was it was actually I, I, on the clock I kind of criticized them a little bit, and then I, then I realized after I made some calls, they said, no, 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 here's, here's our thinking, and it makes sense, and I understand why they did it so great move by uh, Joe Shane the first year GM I mean he thought it through and they they had a good process
2: yeah, I'm actually with you in real time my question is but then I Thought it was borderline brilliant. To, oh, you know, yeah. now I see the full picture, you know, which right. you didn't see at first. But speaking of the first pick in the draft and how things change, the narrative around the NFL combine was, oh, Ian Hutchinson's going to be a surefire number one pick. And then it seems like the last couple weeks, things really started to shift. You know, people start talking and things changed. And the reality came true was the buzz about Trayvon Walker going to the Jaguars was yeah. true. Uh, my question to you is why did they choose him do you see anything on film that would indicate that he's a better prospect right now, present day than Hutchinson or is it just simply uh, Trent Baalke and that Operation Jacksonville is kind of goofy <laughs>
1: Yeah, here's what I've been able to find out on the situation. Uh, You know, like you said, I think around combine time, we'd seen Evan Neal's name in that first spot. We'd seen, you know, Iguanu in there. Everybody kind of assumed maybe they'll go tackle at that position, you know, at at that spot. And then right as we were leaving the Combine, it felt like the shift happened to Hutchinson, and I thought, wow, okay, they must have, you know, had good meetings with him. They must have sort of felt like, okay, let's not overthink this. You know, that's that was the the pre-draft message of the Jaguars. Don't overthink it. Well, it sounds like they did. I mean, I'm not saying they made the wrong choice, because I don't really know. In my guess is they did. But, you know, the, the process rolled out, and it became clear that Balky preferred Walker. The owner Shad Khan preferred Hutchinson. The head coach Doug Peterson was believed to have preferred offensive tackle. We don't know which one, but that's that's what I was told. And then there's sort of a mystery quotient, Tony Khan, the owner's son, who's big in the analytics, does a lot of work with the you know, the, the department down there, you know, input with you know, first round picks, seventh round picks, everything in between. And the analytics folks were more welcoming of the Walker pick than Draft media, even the ones who are, you know, steeped in that kind of information. I think it, to say the, you know, to say that Walker's a better player right now than Hutchinson, I don't believe is true. I think they're clearly feeling like, based on what Walker was asked to do in college, which is often play as like a, a four or five technique and, you know, occupy gaps, hold up blockers, and let let the linebackers make the plays. Um, you know, some some duties that were outside of that, but that was a, a big part of what they were asked to do, and their thinking was, he's got better arm length, which is a big number in the analytics community, you know, especially for that position, for corner, for a few other spots, maybe wide receiver, you know, offensive tackle, obviously. Um, that Given his traits and given some of the splash plays that we saw on tape with with Trayvon Walker chasing down a receiver in the national championship game 25 yards downfield, right? I mean, this 275-pound guy doing stuff like that, that if they use him correctly, they're going to get more out of him than they would Hutchinson now. That's arguable, too, right? But. You know, it also depends on what front you're running. It sounds like they're going to use Walker in kind of a, like an Adelius Thomas type role where he's standing up sometimes and hand on the ground other times. You know, could you picture Aiden in that role? Sure. You know, he did a little of that, but I, you know, I, I I like the way it worked out where he went to the Lions, not just for geographic reasons, but it seems to maybe be a little bit better fit in terms of their defensive system.
2: Yeah, it's all really interesting, and Trent Baalke, he he did draft a pass rusher in the past that panned out until he had off-the-field problems, and Alden Smith uh, with the 49ers, I think he drafted around eighth pick overall, uh, give or take, and People questioned that at the time. That how is he going to be a, a, as an edge rusher? But as far as you know, analytics things, uh, his physical attributes he is definitely a specimen so I kind of see some parallels between Alden and Walker in that regard for a bulky type pick and then there's kind of the the you know not everybody talks about it but I think it's kind of a, a thing that lingers in the background and it's just the fact that Hutchinson there's guys who play for Jim Harbaugh and there are guys who are Harbaugh guys you know they embody him and he you know Hutchinson they embody each other right there's this Mentality, and it I just gotta wonder about that too. And I know you don't have an answer, crystal ball, but the, the history that Harbaugh and Bulky had was some of the most odd and contentious, I'd say, yeah. in the past decade. As far as to have that su- that success and not be able to coexist, and uh, to add to that, uh, Harbaugh a couple weeks ago he was saying, "Oh, I, you know, I want Hutchinson to go to the Lions and him to stay home." It it just seemed like you know it, it's May the fourth as we are talking right now and it seemed like some Jedi mind trick type stuff from Harbaugh there to like you know this, hey Bulky, you know how about you pass on my guy yeah. but, but uh,
1: these aren't the droids you're looking for
2: right <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so do you have a take on that and then uh, transitioning to you know the I know in your article about Hutchinson and uh, going to Lions, you said it's a good culture fit. So, yeah, quickly, quickly on what I just said, and then uh, just how he fits with Detroit.
1: Well, you're not the only one, obviously, and and, and I don't mean just in in media and, you know, other circles outside the league. There were plenty of people inside the league who I had not considered that angle, and before it really became a public discourse, my colleague and I, Charles Robinson and I, uh, brought it up, and, you know, he mentioned that someone inside the league had brought it up to him. They're like, hey, man. You know Balky's old school <laughs> you can't put it past him to, to do something like this and so i i called someone who would know knows both of them pretty well i said does this could this be real and there was about a three or four second pause before he started answering it and it was sort of in a roundabout way like boy you know i mean it's you know trent doesn't have yeah you can't imagine that he's got amazing job security and you know, they did just bring in Ethan Wah from San Francisco, who I would assume is going to, you know, be groomed to take over that that GM title. But I think, you know, Trent would obviously want to leave on his own terms. And being that reckless, if that was indeed the case, let's assume for a second that it was true that, boy, I hate Jim Harbaugh, I'm not going to draft a Michigan guy. Well, I, to me, that's a fireable offense. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't think it's true. I don't yeah. believe it, but... You know, could it be a a latent bias that that maybe affected him? Like, he was watching Hutchinson and didn't want to like him as much as he did? Or, it's possible. You know, I mean, like, I'm a Mizzou guy, right? And when I watch Kansas players, I pretend like they're they're from, you know, the University of West Virginia Tech, right? I I take the uniform off. I don't care. I was hyping up a Kansas player. You know what I mean? Like, so I go out of my way to, like, not be biased on these things, right? Because I... Do I really despise Kansas? Well, no. I mean, do I like them? No. But you know what I mean? That's the kind of thing that you have to kind of remove from your from your brain a little bit. So as far as the culture pit stuff, though, like as you said, I mean, it wasn't just Jim. I mean, you, you could call anybody up there and get rave reviews about Hutchinson. It wasn't phony. It wasn't fake. It wasn't, you know, I think I heard one guy. The only criticism I heard was like, you know, tell him not to podcast so much or something like that I don't even remember what he said something like that you know and I thought okay that's a, <laughs> it's about the worst dirt you can dig up on or at least that's so far anyway so there was a lot of appreciation for the intangibles and what he brought you know the energy he brought every game every practice all that stuff and so it was it was hard to get anything lower than grades of a on his character and everything so you think about what Dan Campbell wants he wants tough guys he wants buy-in players you know guys who are going to buy into the, the the vision and the belief and you know and you think about kind of what brad holmes looked for as uh, college scouting director of the rams and then in his first year as gm and they, they want winners and they want highly competitive players i mean obviously most teams do but some teams put a bigger emphasis on it it looks like they've they've done just that so
2: yeah I,
1: I just can't wait to see you know what they can do there
2: speaking of winners. Give us like two, three to five uh, winners from the first round that you thought. Oh well, obviously some teams had multiple picks, but what teams do you think had the best drafts, the best picks of the first round?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, obviously when you make three selections, you're going to get a little bit of a you know benefit as long as you (laughs) don't reach crazy. I mean, the Jets doing what they did certainly was exciting. You know, they were targeted needs clearly. Um, they played it right in terms of knowing if stingley goes off the board three we've got to go sauce at four because we'll never get him at 10 we won't be able to trade up into you know any higher or whatever i heard there was a possibility of Carolina at six you know had being a a move- up spot possibly but i don't you know there are a lot of teams that made that call and they obviously didn't didn't end up materializing but you know to get sauce at four you know we'll see if he can come cover Stefan Diggs and you know Tyreek Hill but boy they they could use a guy like that especially for that defensive system you know Wilson at 10 far far cheaper than going and getting a Tyreek and paying draft picks and money to get that so I, I love that and then obviously Johnson Jermaine Johnson at number 20 or whatever i mean that you know it just felt like even though the league probably valued Johnson a little lower than some of us in the media did. and I had him as my 13th player or something. I don't remember exactly. But, you know, that was, that was about the range where people thought he'd go. Kind of the 15 to 25 range as opposed to the, you know, 10 to 20 range that a lot of others thought. So, again, though, I mean, just what they need is a pass rusher, too. They really didn't have that last year. So, hard not to love them. Chiefs obviously got some good value. Ravens as well. I love the Lions, two picks. You know, I thought Jamison Williams, they haven't had a receiver like that in forever. And long term, that's going to be a huge payoff, I think.
2: And uh, a team and player you didn't mention, but a, a, you got a, gave a high grade to this pick would be Daxton Hill going to the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that pick and how he meshes with the uh, Bengals?
1: I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe he fell that far. I mean, that, that was one of the bigger... He and Lewis scene who went the next pick. I thought should have gone far higher, you know. Defensive back with positional versatility, toughness, good length, athleticism, you know, high football IQ. I mean, what, what, what else are you looking for? Like, I don't I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to get too silly about this, but, like, I just sort of felt like there just aren't enough weaknesses for me to think he'll last past the... the early twenties at the most. I thought New England when they were when he was still on the board at twenty one before they traded out, I thought that's the spot. You know, he's got John Brown and Bill Belichick are way back, you know, he'll get the good intel on him and they wanted a guard, you know, so <laughs> good for them. I mean I yeah, I just felt like when the Bengals attacked their offensive line the way they did in, in the free agency I felt like that wasn't going to be the position that they went after. And what was the next biggest question from the Super Bowl? Corner. Your safety. You know, I mean, you have Jesse Bates. He's great. But I think they needed somebody else. And the fact that that Dax could play the slot and, you know, do all different things, I think was very attractive. They got another guy, Cam Taylor Britt, who, you know, has some versatility as well. So those two picks, I mean, you you can't help it but appreciate the fact that, you know, they really did hammer their their two biggest needs in the offseason and did it in a way that was, I think, smart.
2: Yeah, the Bengals are going to be in the thick of things, and uh, so will the rest of that division. The Ravens definitely got better. This offseason, the Browns got better uh, with Deshaun Watson. But quarterbacks, the quarterbacks fell a good way after Kenny Pickett was drafted by the Steelers. You had Malik Willis going in your first-round mock as well. Obviously, Willis fell to the third and to the Tennessee Titans. Now, this crop of quarterbacks wasn't the most highly touted, highly ranked. But I was still surprised at how far some of these slipped because no matter what, some teams, they still need a quarterback, and there can be a perceived uh, value in the analytical and uh, scouting communities for these quarterbacks to say, oh, you know, we should probably wait till the third, fourth round to draft them. But still, I mean, that I felt that was really risky. It definitely ended up paying off for some of these teams as far as value is concerned heading into the draft. I mean, look at Willis where he was drafted and then Sam Howell, uh, great value, in my opinion, when Washington snagged him. But yep. what was your take? Were you surprised on how far the quarterbacks fell? And uh, where do you think, uh, who do you think is going to pan out the best out of this group? And as far as uh, you know, where they wound up at?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you 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 summed up what happened pretty well there. I mean, I I should have sort of read between the lines a little better when I was talking to people around the league. It was it was a lot of well, I gave Kenny a second round grade, but I think he'll end up in the first. Or, you know, we gave Malik a, a high third, but he'll probably still end up in the first because quarterbacks always get overdrafted, right? I mean, that it's as, it's you know, consistent a story as, as football has been around or as the draft has been around anyway. I mean, typically, not every year, right? There was the E.J. Emanuel draft that kind of played out similarly where. You know, Matt Barkley was, you could find him in the top 10 of mocks the week before the draft. You know, Ryan Nassib, remember him? You know, Syracuse. You could see his name going to the Buffalo Bills or or wherever.
2: Yeah, was that with uh, Geno Smith as well? Was he in that one? Geno
1: Smith, yes. I mean, you know, I think Manuel went 16th and then there was a drop. Geno went 39th or whatever. So kind of similar to that. But other than that, one year. 13 or 14, I forget which year it was, it's hard to find examples of the NFL showing this much patience at that position. And it, and it almost felt like a, a turning point of sorts. I mean, next year should be a bigger quarterback crop. And I think that had a big factor in what was going on. And I think teams did look ahead and say, do we want to be locked into somebody that we have may figure out after two months that we're not all that jazzed about, you know, that's a tough sell right there. So once they got past the first round, I thought, okay, we're probably not going to hear a quarterback name for at least half the second round, because what's the point of using the 35th pick on on a quarterback when all you had to do is move up three spots or, or more and you get the fifth year option. And that's obviously a you know, significant development for quarterbacks. You get to develop them longer and decide whether you want to keep them, et cetera. So I figured, okay, late two, you know, maybe early three for some of these guys. But the drop just kept happening, and Ritter went first, and then Willis went to the Titans. And I don't think the Titans went into the draft thinking they were going to pick him, but I think it was an opportunity that they felt too good to pass up. Now the Falcons most definitely did work on Ritter. I think they felt like there was better value in getting Ketty in round two than trying to find a pass rusher in round three. So. You know, they, they weren't going to be aggressive, but they were smart. They let him Ritter come to them. So, yeah, Washington, I mean, poor Sam Howell. I think he was obviously thinking he could he could get in the top 50 picks, and you go to, you know, the first pick of the fifth. I mean, that's, that's a slide, right? And he could have gone back to school. But certainly I think they, they got a good value there, and he has a chance. Ritter has a chance. Willis certainly does. But the odds show us historically that, Most of these guys won't pan out, more than 50%. So clearly the league was leaning that way, even though it was subconscious. So I I guess I leaned too much into what the NFL teams thought might happen and less about what their grades were on on some of these quarterbacks.
2: Now we already talked about two of Michigan's top three selections, Aiden Hutchinson, Jackson Hill, but uh, edge rusher David Ojabo, Where where did you have him before he tore his Achilles? Did you have him in your top 15 or so? And, uh, I mean, I don't think you're going to disagree with me. Pretty good value by the Ravens. Pretty good fit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he ended up dropping about a round. I mean, I think I had him somewhere between 15 and 20. I don't know that I completely finalized rankings by that point. In fact, I'm sure I hadn't. But... Point being, he would have ended up somewhere in that range. I thought he still had work to do as a run defender, still raw in some regard. Obviously, he thrived with his athleticism a lot of the times, and and you know could still add, uh, you know, moves and counter moves to his bag of tricks. But boy, all the towels there and the explosiveness, and you know, I heard a couple people say, you know, he's he's not going to see as much single blocking and this and that. But still, I think most people felt like he'd be a mid first round pick. That was sort of the the sense when i talked to people prior to the the pro day so you know he went 45th so that's what the 13th pick of the second round or whatever that's technically about where you know a one round lower and that's that's about the effect of that kind of injury where you know you don't know what you're getting year one but after that you might really be pleased
2: and last one for you eric who out of all the draft picks All the trades that happened. I mean, look at A.J. Brown. He's now playing for the Eagles. That was shocking. Uh, What teams positioned themselves the best uh, after the dust settled on uh, Saturday, after round seven, that, hey, this team could make a playoff run? And that could mean a team like the Colts. It could mean a team like the Eagles. Uh, Who, in your mind, or maybe a team that didn't make the playoffs, last year and might make it this year because of this past weekend. Do you have yeah, any teams that stand out?
1: Right. I mean if we're if we're not picking among the Ravens and Chiefs teams that that are, you know, seemingly in the playoff mix every year, if we're going a little outside that you mentioned some good ones. I mean, I would throw the Giants into that mix. I think a lot of people felt like You know, the culture inside that building was was really tainted under Joe Judge. Whether it was his fault or or a shared responsibility, I don't know. But that was the sense that I got talking to them at the end of the year. Um, And with their first two picks, they nailed it. I mean, I I really think, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal are going to help them out immediately. Two neat positions, too. So, you know, if Daniel Jones is functional, I think they can can make a, a stronger run than maybe some people are expecting. The Eagles, too. I mean, look, the Brown trade was inspiring, I think. Uh, they had to pay a lot for him, but you know, t- in terms of salary. But uh, you know, I-, I did not envision that scenario happening. That was a- that was a kind of a masterstroke by by Howie. They have two first next year. They stay they-, they said thanks, but no thanks to the quarterbacks. They got Jordan Davis. You know, they they snagged a, a sliding to Kobe Dean. Cam Jurgens is going to replace Kelsey in a year, probably. You know, so. Every pick had a purpose to it. And I think Hertz is better than, than some people do and you know, he's not traditional but I think they can they can a lot to work with this year so like the Eagles a lot Colts without a first round pick did, did really good work I love what they did in the second and third round especially you know I mean Jelani Woods is one of my favorite prospects to watch this year and uh, Bernard Raymond could win the starting left tackle job uh, kind of forgetting uh, oh yeah Alec Pierce I mean didn't love the Pierce pick but you could see him being very solid you know maybe he ends up being Eric Decker I don't know but you know I mean those are those are some good ones that come to mind that that you know on the outside looking in but now this draft class and what they all, what else they got you can see them you know really helping themselves
2: all right well eric at home thank you for your time and would you like to tell folks where they can follow you on twitter
1: no Andrew Stuber questions. I'm disappointed, man. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm over at Yahoo Sports. I do NFL and draft stuff over there, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cool on the draft stuff for a little while to let everybody recharge. But lots to talk about in the league. Uh, Twitter handle is Eric with a C underscore home, E D H O L M. And uh, yeah, hit me up. I'll uh, try to answer any questions if, if you need them. And uh, but not at the end of the month. I am taking some time off, so. Just, just be warned.
2: Yeah, leave alone on Memorial Day weekend, people. But, <laughs> a, we need a little time off, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, me too. Amen to that.